very, very familiar song. I'm going to share some things with you today and kind of just walk some things out. I'm just so ecstatic and I'm so, so blessed by just the the uh, consistent outpouring of God's spirit upon us as a people. Amen. 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 I need you to understand how valuable this is and how much we need to make sure we don't allow anything to distract us and bring us out of it. Amen. 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 We got here focusing on God. We don't put a system in to protect it. We just keep focusing on God. Amen. Amen. And um, the Lord is dressing his people with garments of glory. Amen. Amen. The Lord is dressing his people. Your visage is changing. Amen. I'm going to say that your visage is changing. The very texture of your face is beginning to illuminate with the glory of God. You're going to find that people are going to start stopping you, stopping you and saying, what did you change? You just look different. You just seem like you're glowing. Amen? Because God is changing your visage with the glory that we are constantly interacting with and it's within our gathering together. Amen? Um, and so we thank God. I already know the enemy is attacking. Amen? Glory be to God. I already, you ain't even got to tell me, I know the last couple of weeks and what the last couple of weeks have been. Right. I already know that. And he's after the glory. Right. Come on. So guess what we're going to do? Come on. We're not going to talk about him. Come on. Right. Amen. Come on. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on. He won't be the topic of the message. Come on. Right. Nor what he's doing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we're going to fix him good. And make sure he's not mentioned. Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Yes. I need you to understand fourth dimension warfare. Just keep facing his face and he'll face your enemies. His face is big enough for both. <laughs> his face is big enough for both. He can face you and face them at the same time. Isaiah chapter 91, verse number 1. Very, 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 very uh, familiar chapter of the Bible. The Bible reads in Isaiah 91 and 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. Only with thine eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most holy, thy habitation. 
Everybody say habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy habitation. Dwelling. Same, same word. God. It's your habitation that causes no evil to befall you. So go on. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in thy hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Sounds very familiar, don't it? That Satan preached that message. You know he knows how to preach, right? He preached that message. Amen. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample underfoot. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. See that? Go to the last one. And and prayerfully, I'll have grace to to make the connection. Um, I have in Genesis 35 verse 16 the Lord had given me the grace to to make the connection I pray Genesis 35 verse number 16 and we'll settle in and see what it is that the Lord is saying The Bible says in Genesis 35, verse number 16, the Bible says, And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to Ephrath, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died having this boy, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Amen. Just ever tell your neighbor, uh, uh, just declare, but his father called him. Amen. I want to deal from the topic in perspective, but his father called him. <laughs> what happens when a father puts a butt on what somebody's been named? But his father called him. Father, we thank you. And we bless you right now. Just for the anointing that destroys the yoke, the grace of God that causes the streams and rivers that are imparted in the belly to flow freely to be released in this atmosphere right now we just thank you Lord God in advance not even in advance because you've already given us more than enough by your presence so we just say thank you Lord God and we bless you even now seal this thing in heaven in Jesus name Amen but his father called him Benjamin I want to start right here and I want to share some things with you and work back to Genesis chapter 35. We're going to walk, work from Psalms back to Genesis 35. And I want to, I want to highlight again uh, Psalm 91.9. I want to start there. Psalm 
91.9. I want to I highlight that. The Bible says something so key. In, in Psalm 91 and 9, uh, the psalmist says, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Everybody say habitation. habitation. All right. Now, that's very, very key because now what is an habitation? A habitation is a place of permanent residence. A habitation is a dwelling place or an, what we would call an abode. A habitation now is a permanent residence, a dwelling place or an abode, even more so, a place we have the right to remain in at all times. Right. Habitation is not location. Right. It is Habitation is the place we can remain in at all times in spite of location. Right. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. Everybody say habitation. habitation. Habitation has nothing to do with location. All right. Everybody follow me. So, so now what we must understand, God wants to give us a habitation. Jesus echoes it. Amen. Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Jesus echoes it in the New Testament. He said, look, where I'm going, you will not follow. I go to prepare a place. I go to prepare a habitation for you. And then I'm going to come back and receive you. This is the key. The habitation he gives us is by revelation, not by geographical or physical location. The, the, the habitation is by revelation. The habitation is by the revealed word of God. We gain the right to reside or live in peace as the peace of God is revealed according to the scripture. We access the ha God wants to give us habitations that, that now uh, our location must surrender to. He wants to give us habitations where it doesn't matter where our location is. We can declare, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise because my habitation is now different from my location. We access the habitations of God through announcement. So what I live in has nothing to do with where I am at. What I live in has nothing to do with where I'm at. I live in peace, although my life seems to be at a rocky moment because the habitation he gives us is by revelation, not by geographical location. Please follow me. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. The Lord is a habitation. He is a climate and an environment we can remain in, in me. Right. right? He gives us uh, a habitation by revelation. So what I live in, I want to repeat it, and you're going to find I'll repeat it several things because I want to make sure we get it. So what I live in has nothing to do with where I'm at. I can live in victory, although my life seems to be at a place of natural defeat. Habitation gives me the ability to live in something separate from where I am. What I'm in is not where I'm at because the most high is my habitation. What I'm in is not where I'm at because the most high is my habitation. While I'm at a place where I am fighting, I'm actually in fellowship. I'm at a place where I'm fighting, but I'm in fellowship 
please hear me, things are going wrong. There are financial fights. There are family fights. Come on, if we could get a witness, there are some physical fights even in our body. But what I'm in is not where I'm at. I'm in fellowship with the Father. I'm in thanksgiving, though I'm at a fight. I'm in praise, though I'm at a fight. I'm in glory, though I'm at a fight. Because what I'm in cannot control, uh, cannot be controlled by where I am because the habitation is separate from location. Everybody follow what I'm saying? God wants to teach us about habitation. A lot of people say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? The psalmist made it very, very clear. If you look at Isaiah 91 verse 7, look what it says. And if you really read it, you understand it don't make sense unless habitation and location are separate. Unless habitation and location are separate, what he says in verse 7 don't make sense. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand by thy right hand, but it shall not draw nigh unto thee. How can it be right by your side, yet not near you? A thousand shall fall by your side, and ten thousand by your right hand, yet it shall not draw near to you. How can it be right by you, yet not near you? Not near you. God gives us a habitation that supersedes our location. Although it's by my side, it's not near me. Depression is by my side, but it's it's not near me. Fear is by my side, but trust me, it ain't nowhere in my zip code. It's not near me. Can I bust something out? The flu is by my side, but I ain't got to get a flu shot because the flu ain't near me. So a thousand fall by my side and ten thousand by my right hand, it shall not draw me because I have a habitation that now nullifies my location so you can't tell whether I'm fighting or not because when I'm fighting, I'm blessing and when I'm not fighting, I'm blessing. When I'm good, I'm lifting my hands and when it's bad, I'm lifting my hands. I come to church when the money is right and when the money ain't right because I have a habitation that supersedes my location. The Lord is trying to give us a look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's time for us to get our habitation. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is the key. And this didn't click until I said something yesterday and didn't figure out what I said till later. The Holy Ghost made me go back and look at what I said. And he said, boy, you, you need to under, you don't even know what you said, did you? I said, that father know. What did I say? Uh, <laughs> you know, you gotta get, what did I say? This is the key. Watch this. It's so profound. It messed me up when he told me it. Our habits make up our habitation. I said, what in the world? Listen to that. That's so crazy. Now, y'all got to know I ain't smart enough to figure out nothing. I'm not a sharp pencil. Listen to this. Our habits make up our habitations. Right? No matter the location, we live in our habitation, and our habitation is made up of our habits. Right. 
What is a habitation? Can I just review? A habitation is a permanent residence, a dwelling place, an abode, a place we have the right to remain in at all times. A habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes involuntary. It is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes involuntarily. It's called a phone habit. Where I pick up my phone and in, in regular intervals I scroll through it. I don't even have to think about it. But over an hour I do it five times. It's involuntarily. Glory be to God. I want to talk to some. Oh God. It's called now. It's called. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, it is called now a speeding habit. Some of us in here have what we call lead foots. Glory be to God. I ain't going to say no names. Tasha Huggins. Do I say that? Uh, sorry. It's just a habit. If the speed limit is 70, I'm going 90. And I don't even realize I'm going 90. Anybody ever just speed because you're so used to speeding, it becomes a habit. You do it involuntarily and you look and say, oh God. Amen. Because a habit is something you do without thinking about it. Our habitation is built out of our habits. Whatever behavior, y'all got to get this, whatever behavior pattern we regularly follow involuntarily without thinking becomes the place we are given permission to abide in. Our habits give us our habitation. If I have a worrying habit, I will dwell in a place called worry. No matter where my location, I could be on vacation, but I'm still worried about what they doing, where they going. There is no relaxing because location can give you rest only habitation can and because I have a habit of worrying even when I'm supposed to be resting I'm still worrying because location can't give me rest only habit habitation there is an invisible climate that gives me rest called habitation if I have a habit of being easily aggravated I will dwell in a place called always aggravated no matter where my location my habitation will be aggravated because our habits give us our habitation it's so difficult when you have to go to a restaurant with people who have a habitation called aggravated pushing their plate back, saying folks taking too long, my food is cold I don't like the way it look on the plate uh, you glory be to God, I just don't like the way they talk, uh, they take a little bit long and you complain, let's get up and go somewhere else, man it took us 30 minutes just to sit down, uh, give, give the way to five more minutes I'm hungry and the only reason why you're aggravated is because that's your habitation. Because you have a habit of being aggravated. Amen? What do you do? Our habits, whatever behavior patterns we regularly follow, involuntarily becomes the place we are given permission to abide in. Now, this is what we got to catch. Please hear me. Because this has been one of the catchphrases of the last move of God. One of the catchphrases of the last move of God is, we don't want a visitation, but we want a 
habitation. God, we don't want a visitation. God, we want a habitation. And I don't even believe we knew what we were asking for. When we say we don't want a visitation, but a habitation, God immediately begins to orchestrate circumstances that interrupt our current habits. I wish I could talk. Strains on our lives, challenges and obstacles. We find ourselves saying we don't go out like we used to go out. We find ourselves saying we don't do the things we used to do. We find ourselves saying, I think I'm losing myself. I done lost myself in all of this because our current habits have been interrupted by challenges and circumstances. But we're the ones who said that we wanted him to be our habitation. And if he's going to be our habitation, he has to revise our habits. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? Because your habitation is based off of your habits. Not understanding what you ask for when you ask for a habitation of the Lord, he now has to wage war on all of your habits that keep you out of his habitations. Whatever behavior pattern you regularly fall into, if it's Facebook, God is going to wage war where you can't get on Facebook. If it's television, God is going to wage war you might lose cable. Why? Because he has to interrupt your habits so you can now build the proper habitation and dwell with him. Many times it takes hell to change our habits. I wish I could talk to somebody up in here. Many times when God is ready to change your habits, he'll give hell a job. He'll employ the serpent. Come on, I wish I could talk to somebody who read about Job. He'll employ the serpent. Amen. Because Job had a habit of praying glory that his children wouldn't curse God instead of raising them not to curse God. He left them in the house alone and prayed. Now he wouldn't curse God to his face. The devil said, I guarantee if you let me strike him, I'll curse God. He'll curse God to his face. And Job turned around and said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Glory be to God. But the problem is he had children that did not know whether they were. So he wakes up every morning and prays that his children won't curse God because he hasn't fathered them. And so now what God has to do is change his habits. So oh, glory be to God. And give him a new habitation called impartation instead of just intercession. You ain't got to pray for your boys. They're your boys. Go and impart in them and teach them not to curse God. Thank you, Lord. Habits are things we do without thinking, and sometimes it takes hell to think about what we don't think about. Habits are things we do without thinking, and sometimes it takes hell to think about what we don't think about. We have Facebook habits. We have TV habits. We have bad time management habits that we operate in without thinking that's keeping us in their habitations and outside of God's habitation. Amen? And so now we dwell in our habits, not in our fantasies. Amen? God, I want you so bad. That's a fantasy if there's no habits that can build that habitation. God, I want, I want to be so close to you. I want you, amen, as a dear pet, that's a fantasy if there's no habits that can help build that habitation. Amen. So now what we must understand is uh, the question we got to ask. Now watch this. 
What happens when God touches us in such a way where he alters our habits or gives us grace to have holy habits, spiritual behavior patterns that we do involuntarily without thinking? What happens when I pray without thinking? It's just what I do like I flip my phone. When I pray without thinking, I'll have a habitation called pray without ceasing. My habit gives me that habitation. If I have a worship habit, I gain access to a habitation called spirit and truth. Glory be to God. I do not have to. I don't have a time of worship. It's just an involuntary reflex. I don't know. There are times I'm riding down the street and I just lift my hands. It's now a habit and not a moment I planned. God is so tired of devotional people. I have my devotional time for 15 minutes in the morning. God does not want your devotional time. He wants an habitual. He wants a habit filled saint that can't stop blessing him. I bless him by habit. Habit, I worship by habit. I pray by habit. I meditate on the word by habit. It's just involuntary. Just like folks click the fo- click the TV. The first thing they do when they sit on the couch, they click the TV. It's just a habit for me to open my Bible and get into the word of God. If I have a worship going, what, what happens when we get a faith habit? What happens when faith is a habit and not something we got to force ourselves to try to stand on? What happens when calling those things that be not as though they were is just a habit. It's just what I do involuntarily. I don't think about it. When that becomes my habit, that gives me a habitation called nothing is impossible. What happens when our habits shift our habitation and we can begin to operate in inheritance? Please never tell your neighbor, God is attacking your habits. I just want to encourage you right now. Hell is breaking loose in your in some of you all's life. And hell, all hell is assigned to do is to change your habits. You're about to think about how you spend your time that you ain't thought about how you spend your time. You're about to think about what you waste that you ain't never thought about that you waste. You're about to think about the fruitlessness of the efforts that you're putting into stuff that you ain't never thought about. God ain't killing you. He's changing your habits because he's ready to give you a new habitation called righteousness. He's ready to give you a new habitation called joy. He's ready to give you a new habitation called peace. He's ready to give you a new habitation called the anointed of God. God, move me, but your habits won't let me. God, I'm ready for the next place, but your habits won't let you go to that next place. Because our habits build our habitation. Amen? Do you understand that God will attack your habits after you're saved and Holy Ghost filled? Because you will have you will have the spirit but yet still have flesh habits. And so you're not suffering because you're rejected. You're suffering because you have habits that are keeping you out of the habitation you have a right to. Do you understand, Joy, you don't have to find it. You have a right to it as a habitation. A habitation is a place I never leave. What happens when we figure out we ain't got to find joy, but we, we are supposed to have it as a habitation? Amen? I just need to get peace in this situation. Why is that situation have your peace? Where's your habitation? Once God puts you in the right habitation, he can trust you in any location. So some, uh, 
Sometimes he puts you in locations because of the habitation he's giving you access to. Don't forget your habitation when you're in that location. I just don't like it working there. Everybody curses. They be smoking. They just talk about each other. Well, why did God send you in that location? Maybe you have a habitation that he can trust you in in that location because greater is he that is on you than he that is in them. And you can release influence not just by your words but by your very being because you carry a climate called habitations of God. So God feel, people feel God when you're around. And they don't even know why. He can trust you with locations when you have a proper habitation. Amen. Amen. How in the world can you hang on across for six hours and never talk anything about how much it hurts? Right. My God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How in the world can you hang on across for six straight hours and not one time mention how bad it hurts? And when they want to refresh you, you, you now say, I don't even want that. Right. And the last thing you say is, Father. Yes, yes. Glory. Your last word, because I have, the only, there was a habitation that kept that man on that cross. He walked in a reality, in a realm, a man, though he was in a location called earth, he had an atmosphere called heaven. He was in a habitation of heaven while on earth, which made the location not be able to overcome his habitation, and he hung there until he could say, it is finished. You will never finish until you get a habitation. You'll keep on quitting, you'll keep on jumping, you'll keep on going from here and going there. You need a habitation that gives you the grace to endure that nullifies the attack of the location. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who's able to tell your neighbor, God is just giving me new habits. Maybe that's why what's happening is happening in your finances. God is giving you new habits. Maybe that's why what's happening is happening in your family. God is refining your habits. Maybe that's why what's happening in your body. God is refining your habits. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. What, what if this is about your habits? And the first thing we try to do is go back and find ourselves. This last season, I've lost myself. I don't do what I used to do. And you go back and try to find what God spent six months trying to destroy. Yeah. Right. Habits. Because he's trying to give us a habitation. Amen. 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 I just want you to know you're going to live. Amen. The only thing that's going to change is your habits. Right. I just want you to know you're going to make it through this. The only thing that's going to change is your habits. You go through enough hell, prayer becomes a habit. Come on. But God don't just use hell. He, he also uses even more so if we allow him presence. Do you understand that God wants to use presence more than he wants to use hell to bring you into new habits? But you have to seize the opportunity of these atmospheres. You cannot allow these atmospheres simply to pass you by. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You cannot allow these atmospheres. You got to grab a hold of these atmospheres and let something get in your heart that can alter your habits. 
There's habits that need to shift when you experience atmospheres like this. Come on, I need y'all to get this. Amen? Now watch this. It's so, 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 so powerful. Um, um, so I'm going to connect that. So our habits give us our habitation, right? Genesis 35. Look what it says. Verse number 18. Put that up. I want to connect this. Hopefully I can. Amen. Hopefully the Spirit of God will let me. Genesis 35 verse 18. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now what y'all got to get up, that was such a a profound moment of shifting. Mm -hmm. That was such a profound moment of transition that if you are not paying attention to the story, you will miss the shift. Right? Right? Jacob had 12 sons and Benjamin was the only one he did not allow his wives, the two sisters, Leah and Rachel, to name. All the other boys they named. But when it finally got to the last one, he said, I can't let you name this boy. I can't let you name this boy Benjamin, his name. And his father called him. But his, but his father called him. Benjamin, all you got to do is track it. Please get this, and, and you don't. You can go to these if you can. If you can follow me, Genesis twenty nine verse thirty two. The Bible says, when Leah birthed her first son, Leah conceived and bare a son and called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now therefore, my husband will love me. He didn't care about his name. He let her name him. Oh glory! And she named him based on her feelings. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Wow, glory be to God. She named it. You allowed that woman to name your son based on how she felt about you. God, I'm trying to help you understand something. Track it, track it, track it. Genesis 29, verse number 33. And she conceived again and bare a son. Leah did and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So Simeon was named out of insecurity. Track it, track it, track it. Genesis 29, verse 34. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore she called his name what? So the boy, it wasn't about the boy, it was about the man. I'm just trying to have a child with you so you will settle down with me. That sounds... I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Right? Rachel turns around, her sister, because you know that uh, um, Jacob actually worked seven years to marry Rachel. Y'all know that, right? And Laban, his uncle, tricked him. On the night of the consummation of the marriage, he brought brought Leah into the bedchamber. See, the bad part was Jacob could be tricked. Jacob was so wanting the feeling that he didn't even pay attention to her face. Oh, 
God, I wish I could talk up in here. How you ain't going to know your bride's voice? You so into a feeling that you could not hear her voice and tell it wasn't your... See, it's dangerous when you so want a breakthrough that you don't even know whether it's the bride's voice or not. You so want a feeling when you come to church. God, I wish I could preach up in here. Jacob, it ain't Laban's fault you got tricked. It's your carnal, uh, it's your surface seeking is why you got tricked. Because uh, you ain't even going to take the time to look your bride in the eyes and say, baby, I love you till death do us part. The lights are out. All you say is take it off. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And then you roll over and sleep next to a woman not knowing it wasn't her the whole time. Wake up in the morning and it ain't till the morning that you figure out, man, it was great. But that wasn't her. Maybe it wasn't really about her to you yet. Y'all don't want to talk to me up in here. Some of us have gotten a feeling from by a from a harlot and not the bride. That's a whole other message. I ain't even got time to preach. Now watch this. Rachel sees that Leah's having all these babies. So she said, look, I can't have none. So she gives Jacob Bilhah, her handmaid, right? Genesis 29 and 6. I ain't going to go through them all. We ain't got time. And Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, call she his name Dan. Up to Benjamin, Jacob allowed Rachel and Leah to name his first 11 sons, but he would not allow Rachel to name his last son because at that point please hear me he finally took on a father's mantle and his but his all the other times father didn't step in because he was just a baby's daddy but 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 on that last one he finally crosses out of baby daddy status into father status please hear me glory be to god amen so uh, so what we must understand he finally took on a father's mantle but his father called him Benjamin. Many times, and this is where we got to catch it, many times we as men start having children before we actually become fathers. He already had 11 before he became a father. I wish I could get a witness up in here. We like to throw it around, but we don't know how to raise nothing. Amen. Many of us Already had children before we began walking in fathering mantle. Where we, we begin to call our sons. What if our children's call is our call? Right. Right. Oh, God. See, I, I wish somebody was with me there. What if their call is our call? What if what they're called by the Heavenly Father is, is based off of what they hear their earthly father call them. What if their call is our call? Amen? Amen. So now, but his father called him Benjamin. The mark of Jacob's ascension out of baby's daddy status to fatherhood was the fact that he would not allow Rachel to name this son as her and Leah did the previous 11. But his father 
called him Benjamin. Jacob allowed rivalry, insecurity, and frustration to name all his other boys. Track it. He allowed rivalry, insecurity, and frustration to name all his other boys. Reuben was named because Leah wanted to be loved. Rivalry. Simeon was named because Leah felt hated. Insecurity and circumstance. Please hear me. Uh, we got to connect this to the church. I'm going to go church and then we're going to come down to individual fathers. Before you become a father, you birth out of rivalry, circumstance, insecurity, and frustration. So, what am I saying? You see one church doing a taste of Bethel. Right? So, no, we need to do a taste of kingdom life. Amen. What was that birthed out of? Right? Oh, y'all been I'm trying to help you understand something. Glory be to God. The church down the street builds a building. So we start a building campaign to build two. And we are now frustrated, believing we're behind in the building of the kingdom, simply even though the kingdom cannot be built. How can you build the kingdom when the kingdom is in the temple that's already been made? The kingdom is not here or there. The kingdom is within you. We cannot... Newsflash, we cannot advance the kingdom and we cannot build the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. All we can do is ask the kingdom to come. It will already advance if it comes. I'm building the kingdom. How are you building the kingdom when the kingdom is in your building? The building has already been built for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. And so, so now we feel like we're behind in kingdom building simply because the church down the street built a new building. It's time for us to build a new building. We become fathers who allow what comes out of us to be named by rivalry, frustration, circumstance, and insecurity. That's why God had to pull me back. We're doing Facebook Live. Why? I ain't got a problem with Facebook Live, but if we're only doing it because the other pastor is doing it, and my pastor can preach better than they pastor, they're going crazy over him, and he's getting all them likes. So I want to put my pastor on so we can get likes. Let's take ourselves off of Facebook. Because that's birthed out of rivalry. That's not birthed out of Father saying, go on Facebook Live because God has an audience he wants to speak to. I'd rather not be seen at all if we're seen. And now the, the inspiration of that Facebook Live has been insecurity and also rivalry. Because anytime you have a rival spirit, it flows out of an insecurity. The only reason why I want to compete with you is because I'm insecure about myself. And beating you will make me feel better about myself. Boys can never become men that are secure in who they are without fathers that stop allowing them to be named by insecurities. Amen? So we can't... We can no longer do ministry out of, out of comparing ourselves with ourselves. We just ain't going to do nothing. I would rather not do nothing, have church, we go to the park or whatever, but we're not going to do it because we saw somebody else do it. And God didn't say a lick of what we're doing. We just saw somebody else do it. When Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do, we only do what we see the successful church do. Quote, unquote. Amen? We are doing ministry more out of rival than we are revelation. 
out of insecurity than we are out of original identity. So God now, listen to this. So God now, who is holy, which actually, you know what holy means? It means authentic and original. And like none other, God who was holy, authentic, and original can't be expressed because we're too insecure not to be like everybody else and not to compare ourselves with everybody else to step outside of prophetic peer pressure. Yeah, you know there's prophetic peer pressure out there. They laid hands and knocked out ten people. So I'm going to come to my church to see if my pastor can knock out ten people. I went to their revival and they just waved their head and folks on the pew fell out. I wonder if pastor ever going to get the gift to wave hands on people and they fall out in pews. As if that was what God was talking about when he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe in their name they shall cast out devils, not make somebody fall in a pew and then they get up and go right back to the life they live. That is not the power of God. Amen. Amen. As long as we do what we do out of rivalry, frustration, and security, we cannot be fathers. We're just babies' daddies to man-made ministry out of insecurity and rivalry. What happens when I'm just now raising somebody else's child? Right. At one point, what everybody's trying to do was birthed out of a father. But he's the one who had that child. We're just trying to raise his baby. We want that baby to go big for us too. Amen? And so we use their ministry strategies. Amen? Look at this. Look at this. It's so, 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 so powerful. So, so powerful. Amen? When we're boys. Amen? I'm, I'm talking to fathers. When we're boys. When we're children. What we want from God is out of rivalry, insecurity, and frustration. God, you bless them. When are you going to bless me? God, they entered into their season. When are you going to bring me into my season? This is not a desire for blessing, nor is it a desire for God to move you forward out of a pure motive of fellowship with the Father. It's based off arrival and insecurity. They leaving me behind. God blessing them like that. He ain't blessing me like that. So I feel like God don't love me like he loved them because they got so much more than me. And now I'm going through all these changes simply because they got what I don't got. And I feel like God won't give me what they got. Right. Rachel looks at Leah, have four children and, and goes to Jacob and says, give me children or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Not because she wants to have a child for God. Right. Simply because she don't want to be outdone by her sister. Right. We are not competing with the church across the street. I don't care what they're doing. Amen? We are not going to put up a big something in our field saying, Jesus wants to be your lifesaver. That's nowhere near what God has called us to be. If that stays flow, fine. No, it says, let Jesus be your lifesaver. Newsflash, you can't let him be nothing. He already, he already made himself that. Yeah. It's, all, it's just a matter of where you won't acknowledge it or not. You can't let him do nothing. Right. He already did it. All it's just a matter of you line up with it. Yeah. Already. I ain't let him die for me. He already did. Already. Yeah. I ain't let him wash me of my sins. He already did. Yeah. Already. Thank you. Amen? Amen. So, so now... 
what we've got to understand, people of God, if you look at this, and it's so, so powerful. I'm going to read Genesis 35 and 18 again. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Rachel attempts to name Jacob's 12th son Benoni, son of my sorrow. She wants to allow the circumstance to name what they've had together. Don't you ever allow the circumstance to name what you and your spouse have together. Don't you ever name your marriage hell. Amen. Don't name, you can't let the circumstance name what y'all had. You're going to tell me the son that we had in intimacy together is going to be named by how you feel right now. Amen. But what about what led to even conceiving him? Amen. Don't ever allow how you feel at the moment to name what you have with your spouse. Amen. Everybody follow what I'm saying. Amen. So, so now what she does, amen, is name him Ben Oni, son of my sorrow. She said, this boy has got sorrow all over. But his father named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. He enters into fatherhood by not allowing his son to take on the identity of his circumstance. God, I wish I could go back to to Edom and Esau. I wish y'all was tracking what we're doing. Although Rachel was in sorrow birthing you, you won't have sorrow attached to who you are. Come on, That's what Jacob tells that boy. I I know she had sorrow birthing you, but but that's not going to be attached to your identity. Fathers, please hear me. Amen. And this is something that God is releasing unto fathers today. Even and mothers that are one with them with those fathers. Fathers won't allow circumstances to name their children. Right. Come on. Nobody likes me at school and I feel like I'm ugly. Everybody say circumstance. A father will step in and say to that young girl or that young boy, your name still isn't low self-esteem. I don't care. I got low self-esteem. Don't you dare name it that. That's not your name. Your name is not low self-esteem, but fearfully and wonderfully made. Fathers won't allow circumstances to name their children. I feel heavy. It's difficult for me to get out of bed and be motivated to do what I need to do. Everybody say circumstance. A father yet steps in and says your name still isn't depressed, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because a father won't allow circumstance to name their children. I slip back and forth into pornography. Everybody say circumstance. A father yet steps in and says your name isn't porn addict, but your name is pure, holy, and righteous. Fathers won't allow circumstance to name their children. Glory be to God. You cannot say my child is bad. Amen. You glory be because now you are naming your child. You did not say your child just can't get it together because you are named. A father steps up and says, no, I see what the circumstance is trying to call him, but I know what God has called him and his name is not Benoni. He will not have sorrow.
sorrow attached to his life for the rest of his life but as but his father called him Benjamin every young man needs a father in his life that while they're acting hard headed will call them son of the most high God while they're doing wrong will call them righteous while they're messing up will tell them that they shall rise and who they are is blessed but his father called him Fathers won't allow circumstances to name their children while wives on the other hand, please understand, I'm not trying to, to run you down, have a more of a tendency to call it how they see it. That's just what I see. But that still ain't what we say. Amen. And so a father steps in and knows when to say, baby, I hear what you're saying, but that ain't our boy's name. I know you worried about him. But that still ain't his name. I need you to understand God is doing a work in our children's life. Amen. Amen. They don't pay attention. They're irresponsible. I hear everything that you're saying, but that ain't his name. Amen. Amen. Fathers know how not to allow the circumstances their child is in to name them. And it came to pass. As her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Amen. Amen. Never allow your frustrating circumstances to name to you what you have. Please hear me closely. This is so frustrating. I'm frustrated. Don't let what's frustrating name you frustrated I'm speaking as a father this circumstance is weighty I'm heavy don't let what's weighty name you heavy God glory be to God his yoke is easy and his burden is I keep on trying and failing I can't do it don't let what you can't do name you I can't do it see a father knows how to tell a son you are not your circumstance you are not your failure you are not your history you have a word genealogy even before you ever figured out that you were shorter than everybody else before you figured out you were smarter than everybody else before you figured out you weren't athletic as everybody else, God already gave you an identity, and I'm going to call you who you are. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fathers won't allow circumstances to name their children, and his father named him Benjamin. We become fathers as we teach our children not to allow their circumstances to name them. You are what the Father calls you, not your circumstance, and how your circumstance seems to be limiting you. Amen. That don't mean we don't discipline our children, but we still call them what they are. That don't mean we don't correct them, but we still call them what they are. That don't mean we don't chasten them, but we still call them what they are. You're not discouraged, although you're experiencing difficulty. Amen. You're not weary, although you're tired. You're not fed up, although you've been fighting it for a long time. I'm fed up. No, you ain't. You're naming yourself. And a father knows how to stop a son from naming himself something that's going to bring him into bondage. Amen? Amen. You're not fed up, although you've been fighting for a long time. 
your name is Benjamin. And if you're a son, you will accept what the Father has said you are in spite of how you feel. But I feel this way. Just listen. You know, I just need you to shut your mouth because you're killing yourself. Just shut your mouth and listen. You, you are, you are, the power of life and death is in your tongue. But I know it all. There's something about this young man age. That's why we need fathers. Because they just got, well, I just got to say, well, I just got to say how I feel. Sometimes just shut your mouth. Because everything you say is going to be used against you because you don't know how to talk yet. Let me as a father teach you how to speak life on your own self. You don't know what you think you know. Amen. The way I said, we don't need to know how you see it. How you see it has got you where you are now. You got to learn when you're hearing a father that's giving you wisdom about yourself. I never let my children limit themselves. No matter how mad they get, they should get mad at me sometimes. Boy, you didn't hustle like you can hustle. God, I was trying, Dad, I was trying to know you wasn't, and shut up. I don't say it like that, but. Do I? Just let him here just say, yeah, you do. Don't be calling me a liar over the pulpit. I rebuke it in Jesus. You do that. Why? Why, why, why? Because as a father, I see what you don't see, and what you're saying is limiting you. Dad, they won't let me. They won't let. Don't you dare put what you can do in the hands of somebody else. They won't let me. They make me do this. Don't you dare put what you can do in the hands of anybody else but God. God is the only one, and God told me nothing is impossible for him that is believed. Son, I need you to know that all things are possible. Daughter, I need you to know that all things are possible. Sons, I need you to know that all things are possible. Daughters, I need you to know that all things are possible. Don't you dare let your circumstance tell you how far you can go and what you can do. I'm renaming you today, Benjamin. Oh, glory be to God. I'm renaming you today, Benjamin. You will not walk the rest of this year in sorrow, but your God, glory be to God. But you don't know how I feel. The only reason I can minister to you is I do. Because I felt the same way and spoke the same thing on me and took myself through hell, but I lived. I made it through. I walked through the mistakes. I walked through the setbacks. I walked through wearing myself out with my own mouth, calling myself weary, calling myself tired, calling myself discouraged. And God brought me out of the dungeon. So as a father, I'm going to speak back to my sons and daughters and say, don't say it. I know most folks don't never make it out. I'm not speaking from a position I don't understand. I did it and survived. People don't understand how many times I sat back in that office because I didn't know I was killing myself with my own mouth. Tears flowing down my face, not even wanting to come preach. Not feel like a preacher, not feel like a pastor. Because we all got our struggles, we all got our challenges. It's, it's now 10.30, I'm still at the house, on my knees in bed, telling my wife, I just want to leave and don't tell nobody where I go. I've been there. Amen. You know how many churches shut down every year 
You know how many pastors go into error because they're so discouraged and feel like nobody understands? But I figured out power of life. Come on, sir. I'm not quoting that. It's not great uh, theology or theory to me. I've learned by experience. I do understand more than I understand that you can triumph over it. I understand a little bit more than you think I do. I understand that it's not the end of the line. I understand that you don't have to yield to it. I understand that it's only making you greater. I understand that on the other side of it is everything God told you he's going to do in your life. So no, I'm not going to just listen to your pity. I just need somebody to listen to me. No, you need somebody you can listen to. That's your problem. The father turns back to the son first. You need to listen. Amen. Ain't no interaction until you first shut up and listen. Amen. And then we can get some interaction going. Amen. Now watch this. And so, so, watch this. Genesis 35, verse 19. Look at this. It's so powerful. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Genesis 35 and 19. It says this, and it's so powerful. And Rachel did what? Died. And was buried in the way to Ephraim, which is in Bethlehem. Do y'all see how profound that is? And Rachel died, and Jacob buried her in Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. Bethlehem. That's where God's name was revealed. You know the name of God is really Jesus? All the rest of them are just titles. Amen. The place where a father would not allow his son to be named by his circumstance was the place where God's name was revealed. Rachel named him Benoni, son of my sorrow, and his father named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Where a father named his son, son of my right hand, Bethlehem was the place where the Son of God was born who sat on the right hand of the Father. Y'all see that? The place we don't allow our circumstances to name, the the circumstances of our children to name them is the place where God will reveal himself to them. They'll know God in the place where you won't allow them to call themselves something they're not. They'll know God where we properly name him. And Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. At some point, you have to bury what continues to misname you. I just feel a certain way. I just, I just get like that. When are you going to bury that? At some point, you can't just keep on going through those changes. There comes a place where it's buried. And the place where you bury your excuses... The place where you bury, I'm speaking as a father, because a father raises men, not boys. Uh, no, no excuse. They don't like me at that job. I'm ready to quit. Go back to work. Go back to work. They overwork me. I'm only getting paid $9 an hour. You ain't got another job. Go to work. See, a father teaches you how to poke your chest up, suck it up, stop walking around and trying to find a woman. 
that'll listen to you inside. It's too many men that are running up under trying to get up under a woman. Amen. And then, and that's why we have this thing going on where we're trying to make our wife our mom. I don't work, you work. Because it's hard for the black man. And it ain't that you can't work. You just don't like where you got to work at. But you're the one who chose not to finish school. A father makes you face your choices. You did. You said it. You wanted it. You did it. Now suck it up and deal. I don't like that. I want my mommy. I'm talking about a woman that understand. You need to man up. I don't want to talk to me up in here. There's no way in the world husband at home and the wife working. Because won't nobody, I can't find no job. Burger King is hiring. And you dropped out of school. Work at Burger King and go back to school. I can't live like that. I want a lavish lifestyle. Go get a degree. I got to get out here and hustle. I can't live that low. You're going to jail. I mean, it's already, you're going to jail. It's just a matter of time. They already got tape. They already got pictures. They already got recordings. They're just waiting until they can get you with enough evidence to put you away for at least 10 to 25. Anybody know the game? I always tell them, man, look here. I go out here and you can see the jokers on the block that's selling dope. It's like 25 of y'all. In one spot. Y'all are minimum wage crack dealers. Y'all making $8.50 an hour selling dope. Putting yourself on the line for 10 to 25 for $8.50 an hour. You would do better going and working at Roses. You ain't making no money. It ain't that many crack addicts with money in Darlington. Man, it's it's bad when the boy working at Burger King dressed better than the dope dealer that's on the block. Dope dealers don't even be blinging no more. These jokers around here don't at least. Boy, you struggling. The struggle is real. Struggling, bro. Yeah, try Jesus and a job. Amen? But the problem is we have a whole bunch of boys that don't want that. A boy, a, a man, a young man that will come up to me with his head down crying. And I have to discern whether I need to lift your head up punch you in the chest, go back out there and do what you need to do. Right. Or it's a time where I come and say, man, put your head on my shoulder and I'm going to cover you. Right. But there's a time for both. Yes. 
When you're making excuses for irresponsibility, I'm picking your head up, I'm punching your chest. Go back out there and do what you need to do. And God is going to teach you out of doing what you don't want to do. I know there's no way around that. Amen? Bless the Lord. We thank God. It's so funny how Charles approached me. He approached me so safe. I hope this man don't jerk or do nothing crazy. He was like, what you about to do? I done calmed down, man. I'm seasoned. I ain't, I ain't like I used to be. Come on. Don't judge me. No, you judging me. Amen. People change. Glory to his name. Amen. The place, listen to me, it's so key. It's okay. The place where we name our children and don't allow our circumstances to name them is the place where they will be impacted by the name of Jesus. You can't let games name them. You can't let sports name them. You can't let their defeatist attitude name them. Guess what's the first thing they're going to do? You know I love sports and I know sports is a great outlet for children because it forces them to face the quit. It's always good to have a child that's good enough to make it but not good enough to be the star. You know why? Or or be the one, if your child makes it and they never get no playtime, make them stay. Amen. You learn in all of that. Amen. Because we're going to raise up some champion men. We're going to raise up some Benjamin. That know how to sit at the right hand of the Father. You know when it was time for a king, right? When, when, when When it was time for a king, you know what God told the prophet? He said, go to and, and anoint Saul, the son of Kish, of Benjamin. Amen. The kingdom started with Benjamin. The one, now, what if his name was Benoni? The anointing couldn't have flowed on his head because he's not son of sorrow. Son of thy right hand. Amen. Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. Now there's some other stuff to Saul, but you cannot deny he was the Lord's anointed. David didn't. Amen. I'm challenging every man in here. Amen. To rise up. Amen. And and put a butt after everything that your children try to name themselves. That is not their name. I'm challenging every man in here to raise up and put a butt behind everything your wife tries to name herself. Amen. And I'm not discrediting um, um, the anointing on women's life, but the Bible says give honor to them as unto their weaker vessels. They're vessels. Amen. But they can be taken into to perspectives based off of emotion and feeling more so than we can. Amen. Amen. And we need that to balance us out in some cases. Not to change what we do, but to change how we approach it. Amen. 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 To help us refine how we approach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you know, there are times where you're going to have to stop your wife and tell her, look, that is not who you are and that is not necessarily what you need. Right. 
I can't take this no more. Well, you've been taking it for two years. Are you going to die if you take it today? Stop saying that. No, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, even if we're going to change it, I know we need to work on it and change it, but you, why are you saying that? Right. Right. I got to help you ch- stop killing yourself. Yes. Yes. Stop naming yourself. Amen. Amen. God is calling men to be priests. I need every man to stand up in here. Thank you, Lord.